Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Like Aaron said, we're from a church up in Aberdeen and we are trying to be uh, a catalyst, something that changes, you know, just, just a seed that changes the atmosphere where we are. So what we've done as a church is we've spread out over the wider Shire, Aberdeen Shire area, and Julie and I lead one of the, the campuses up there. So it's good fun, really busy, uh, wonderful joy, and yeah, great to be here. Great. Okay. Are you going to preach? This is Judah. (laughs) Off you go. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you, um, first of all, for inviting me to come and share God's word. It's really exciting to be here. I thought I'd make it easy for all of you to just, you know, work out who I am by wearing exactly the same outfit as I am in the picture that you posted on Facebook for me coming. Um, This is my preaching dress. I only have one, but all all women should have a preaching dress. Amen? So yeah, like Aaron said, um, we went to school together. I lived in Salon and then Crossgates and then headed off to Aberdeen um, to study in 1994, I think it was. So that just shows you how old Lenny Turk actually is. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been great catching up with these guys and getting to meet Lindsay and the, and the family and just um, exchanging stories about what God's been doing over the past um, 25 years. And like Mark said, we're pastoring um, one of the sites of Catalyst uh, Vineyard Church, and we absolutely love it. It's where we live, um, our site, and we love it. We love people, we love the church, um, and we especially love the presence of God. We love to worship, and we love, absolutely love God's word, and we couldn't be anywhere without it. So um, it's a great honor and privilege to come and, and share God's word with you. And if you've ever wondered what the voice of God sounds like, then you just need to pick up this book. I'm passionately in love with the Bible. And um, God loves to tell us things, doesn't he? He loves to reveal things. He loves to reveal who he is. He loves to teach us who we are. And um, he's on the lookout for people who will lean in and listen to his voice. And often it's a whisper, and the thing about a whisper is you have to lean in close to hear a whisper, don't you? The voice of God. And so this morning, Lord, we position ourselves close into you. We're leaning in Jesus, and we're listening. So what do you want to teach us this morning, Lord? Open our spiritual eyes and ears and soften our hearts to receive your word this morning. Um, We want to leave here a little bit more like Jesus than when we arrived. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to get straight into the Word of God this morning, um, reading from the book of Mark, chapter 4. And even the title itself, is you almost don't even need to, to speak or preach. It's just this, Jesus calms the storm. Jesus calms the storm. Let me read. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It says a furious squall. What on earth is a squall? It's not really a word that we use um, mostly these days. It sounds like something that happens in the Forbes house when someone takes the last Yorkshire pudding without asking. It sounds like the Forbes house on a Sunday morning trying to get to church. And we've all, we seem to have temporarily forgotten that we love Jesus and we've given our heart to him. And um, it was a little bit like that this morning, traveling down from Aberdeen to Dunfermline. A squall is a storm that comes suddenly and unexpectedly, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. How many of us have found ourselves in the middle of a storm, or we can see one approaching, a situation in life that threatens to overwhelm us, to knock us off course, or maybe even to sink the boat with us in it. In this story it says it's a furious squall and it's coming for them, it's relentless. It's like no storm they've ever been in before. There's something different about this storm. When seasoned fishermen who have been through many a storm, who know what they're doing, when they're panicking, you know they're in trouble. It's a situation that they've got no control over and all the expertise and experience in the world can't get them through this storm. And out of all the moments that Jesus could possibly have chosen a teaching moment, a moment to teach them something about his power and about his authority and about his sufficiency and about trust and faith, he picks this one. It's not a peaceful, quiet, mountainside chat, but it's right in the middle of the storm. Isn't that the case sometimes? That's where we do the most growing, isn't it? That's where we become more like Jesus. Maybe not so much on a Sunday morning in the calm, relative calm of church, but right in the middle of our most difficult times. Jesus had been teaching the disciples in parables up to this point. He's been telling them stories. And now there's this moment where he gets them right 
to the heart. It's a moment to actually experience his power, not just to see it happen with someone else, but to experience his power and authority and ultimately to learn that they can trust him with their life. That was a teaching moment for the disciples and I believe it's a teaching moment for us as well. And it's like we literally need to climb into the boat with the the disciples and learn how to trust him with our lives. I believe this morning Jesus just wants to nudge us a little bit more in the direction of reliance and dependency on him through the storm. That there's a possibility of peace in the toughest of times and that he uses the storms in our lives to draw us closer to him. Maybe we've found ourselves in situations where we've just come to the end of ourselves. Nowhere left to turn except to Jesus because don't we want to stay in the boat and get to the other side? Don't we want to get to the boat and get to the other side? So let's uh, dig in a little bit more to this story and see what it teaches us about trust and faith in Jesus. The question I always have is, why did they get in the boat in the first place? Did they choose to do that? Did the disciples, was it their idea? No, Jesus said, hey guys, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus is initiating the crossing. And if he's the initiator, then he's also the finisher, isn't he? What he starts, he will finish. If Jesus says, come on guys, we're going this way, then he's gonna make sure that we get to the other side. He's not gonna let anything stop us and he's certainly not gonna go, off you go in the boat, see you later. He is right there in the boat with us. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that this storm was coming. I'm pretty sure he knew what was ahead. Yet, he doesn't say, let's go a different way, does he? Isn't that interesting? He still takes them out on the lake because he knows it's going to be okay. You know that kind of thing when you're the creator of the universe and you are in control and you can command the wind and the waves with just a word. Jesus has fear of nothing. And he wanted the disciples to see that this sudden and furious squall was no match for him. He wanted them to see that they could live in complete peace even through a storm as long as he was there. And he says, guys, why are you afraid? I'm here. And as long as I'm I'm here, you can have peace in the middle of a storm. Something I have come to realize is that storms will come. We need to let that sink in. Storms will come even 
when we're with Jesus. As Christians, we're not immune. As we know from this morning and the news that was shared, we're not immune, immune to pain and suffering, difficulty and disappointment. We face all kinds of storms in life and they can come suddenly and unexpectedly. And that's even when we're in the boat with Jesus. That's even when we've been obedient to the voice of God. A storm comes and we think, what? Why? But what causes the storms? We have to look at, a, a bit deeper. What causes the storms? How do storms begin to form around our lives? And I think there's kind of three things that come to mind. The first one is that we can say storms come because the enemy just wants to have a go. And we know that because the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 that all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. He seeks to rob us of anything good that God has for us, including life itself. And so he works to whip up storms around us and to sabotage God's plans and purposes. And he wants for either the boat to sink or for us to turn the boat around and head back with no hope of reaching the other side. That's what the enemy wants. Secondly, I think that storms just come. Accidents happen, life happens. We deal with pain, we deal with death, we deal with grief. We deal with disappointment and we can't always explain them. And we have lots of questions and very few answers. And these storms are very hard to bear. And they can so easily throw us off course. Other kinds of storms in our lives, we actually do have to ask ourselves, have I caused this storm? Clearly, biblically, there is reason to ask the question, did I bring this storm upon myself? You know, if we think about Jonah for a moment, God gave him a job to do, which was basically to go and tell a bunch of people in the city of Nineveh to reconsider how they were living and to turn to God. And Jonah outright just didn't do it. In fact, he tries to run away and he gets on a boat and he sails off in the opposite direction. And what happens? A storm comes, a violent storm, and it brings chaos to Judah, uh, sorry, not to Judah, that's my son, to Jonah <laughs> and to everyone around him. And they end up throwing him overboard. And God, in his mercy, sends a big fish to swallow Jonah up to save him and vomit him up on the shore three days later. You know, some people's lives are in chaos because they're running away from Jesus. Thank goodness we have the most loving, kind Father and we don't need to live in the belly of a fish for three days to get back on track with the Lord. 
all we need to do is say, I'm so sorry, Lord. And just like that, what happens? Peace comes. Chaos to calm. It says in the moment that they threw Jonah overboard that it went completely calm. The raging sea grew calm. The moment he got off the boat that was heading in the wrong direction, peace was restored. Isn't that interesting? God used that storm literally to reroute Jonah. to get him going in the right direction to where he needed to be. And I wonder for some of us if that's a helpful way to look at some of the storms in our lives. Maybe there's a rerouting going on. Maybe there's a, a turning around and heading back in the right direction. We'd be foolish not to ask the question, wouldn't we? Have I caused this storm? Am I being obedient to all that God has asked me to do? But the truth is, we may never know the reason for our storm. And we, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this phrase, the now and the not yet. We live in a time where the kingdom of God has come, but it hasn't come in all of its fullness. There's an overlap and we live in this time. And so there is still pain. There is still suffering. There are still storms. And sometimes it feels a little bit like waves crashing in, doesn't it? A wave just comes and then perhaps another one and it's overwhelming. I've never been on a boat in a storm, but on my holiday this year, um, the October holidays, we went to a little island in the Inner Hebrides called Col. And we are not a surfing family, even though we lived in Australia for three years. I don't think I once surfed when I was in Australia. In fact, I stayed indoors most of the time because it was too hot. So I came back whiter than I left. And um, so we went bodyboarding. We have very little experience. Um, I think we've been once before. And I think we went on the stormiest day. And on this little island, the waves are massive. It was a 45 mile, mile an hour wind. And we thought, let's just go for it. And um, I remember the, on the beach as well, there was waves coming in, but it also had, I don't know the proper terms, it was pulling right back as well. So as soon as the waves were coming in, the, it was dragging you back. And at one point I got stuck in that kind of V and there was a massive wave came over me and, and I literally thought, is this it? <laughs> um, it was so powerful. It felt so overwhelming. I didn't even know if I was gonna get my next breath and I felt the panic rising up. I felt like I was never going to resurface and I think sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? The storms come and we have those will I ever kind of moments. Will this ever change? Storms are hard and we may never know the cause of them, but this is what we know. Jesus is in the boat with us, and it's his presence that matters. He says, don't be afraid, I'm here. Trust me with your life. 
put your faith in me, I'll never leave you. And do you know what? For the disciples in that moment, what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. Here they are in the middle of a storm, and Jesus is having a nap. The storm was threatening to destroy them. Waves were breaking over them, and the boat was filling up fast. They were panicking, and they turned to Jesus. And and it reminds me of Psalm 10, and it says, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And perhaps that's for some of us. Jesus, I'm in the middle of a storm, and I'm only here because you said to go this way. Why are you sleeping? And it's another teaching moment, I think. I don't think he's deliberately trying to send them into a panic, but I do think he's trying to say to them, there's a time coming when I won't physically be here, but my presence will be be here. My presence will be with you. He's setting them up for when he goes back to heaven, a time when his presence alone will be enough. He's preparing them for the Spirit of God. He's preparing them for, his, for him to not be physically there, but for his Spirit to be there. And what does it say in Hebrews 11? Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And do you know what it means when his presence is with us? It's not just his presence because it's also his power. We need to learn to trust the Lord in the silence, in those moments where it feels very quiet, in their panic and in their fear. The disciples, and I think we would do the same, the disciples just wanted Jesus to do something. There's maybe some people in the room, I certainly know of one, who is a fixer. Give me a problem, I'll fix it. And I'm like, no, just listen to me and hug me and say it's going to be all right and be positive. The disciples wanted Jesus to do something, fix it, change it. Jesus, don't you care? They were so busy focused on their circumstances that they missed that Jesus was right there on the boat and it was his presence that mattered. I wonder in our storms, are we putting a lot of energy into crying out, Jesus, change it, change something, do something, fix something, take this away, give this to me. But actually, it's not always about him doing something. It's about his presence. It's about us trusting, coming into his presence, leaning on him. It's not about what he's doing. It's about who he is. And Jesus is peace. Jesus says, my presence is enough. When Jesus feels asleep on your boat, what it's not saying is that he doesn't care. 
he is, he is peace. He's not threatened by storms. He's able to rest in the middle of a storm. It tells you that he possesses an extraordinary peace. He's much bigger than any circumstance. He's not panicking. He's not frightened. There's no storm in your life that threatens the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we have Jesus in our boat through our storms, I wonder what it would look like to see our storms in light of his presence and his power. I'm learning more and more that God actually made it super simple to experience his peace. It's about getting in his presence, sitting at his feet, tucking yourself under the shadow of his wing and staying there. And sometimes the storms in our lives are not just our circumstances, are they? They're not just external. They're not just outside of the boat. They're actually in here. They're internal. Storms of fear, anxiety, insecurity. And sometimes, as hard as it may seem, Jesus seems to take us through those storms. He doesn't take us in a different way to avoid them. He doesn't change our circumstances sometimes. But you know what? Instead, he says, let's go through this together. You're not on your own. He says, let my peace break into your heart. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Our thoughts come crashing in sometimes, don't they? What if this happens? What if that happens? But what if we switched our thinking? This is the way Mark and I have begun to live our lives, is we make decisions before something even happens. We make decisions about who we believe Jesus is and who he says we are before the storms come. We've decided that no matter what, before we get into the boat, we trust him. That we are ready with our faith. What if you decided before you got into the boat, no matter what, that you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? That you'd trust in his presence and his power. That you wouldn't rely on your own power. That you wouldn't depend on yourself. That's the moment where you can experience peace in the middle of a storm. Predetermining. It's that word. Didn't sound right when I said it. <laughs> Choosing beforehand what you're going to believe, how you're going to live if a storm happens to hit. Mark and I have gotten into many boats with Jesus over the past 20 years of our marriage. One of them uh, was when I was told I, couldn't, I wouldn't be able to have children, which as you can see is not true. Um, 
But that particular storm rerouted us to Australia. It's what kind of got us thinking down a different track. Well, if that's not going to happen, Lord, where next? He used that storm to reroute us all the way to Australia. And um, I, I, being honest, there have been storms where we haven't kept our eyes fixed on Jesus so much. And the difference is that when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the storms don't go away. The difference is the degree of peace on the inside that you experience when you go through the storm. And each storm, it has become easier and easier to trust the Lord. Jesus teaches us every time, I'm bigger than your storm. I'm bigger than your storm. Put your trust in me. He's the one who called us into the boat. He's going to make sure we get to the other side. And so to finish, I'd just love to tell you um, two stories. The first is a story of a, a friend of ours who was very much a self-made man, very successful. Big earning job, kids in private school, didn't have need for anything, very self-sufficient churchgoer. And he got this new big job in America and uh, he, he would go over there for periods of a time before his family moved out there, but very quickly things began to unravel. His future became unclear. Would he even have a job anymore? His wife and kids live back here in Scotland and living apart for so long was very challenging on their marriage and on their family. It was a struggle, it was lonely. He experienced a loss of passion and joy in his work. He experienced failure and complete loss of self-confidence. I'm sure you would agree that for this man, this was his furious squall, like nothing he'd ever encountered before. He was shaken in the very areas where he was full of confidence previously. And he found himself heading to a church out there where Jesus came crashing into his life in the most beautiful way. And um, he said to me, for the first time in my life, I realized who Jesus was and how much I need him. I had no clue of my need of Jesus until the very things that were in my control were all of a sudden out of my control. Of course, that's a horrible thing to happen to anyone. But it was the storm that caused a shift in his whole life, in his thinking, in his attitude. He had been a self-made, self-sufficient man. Suddenly the wheels are coming off and this nominal trust that he'd had in Jesus for the past 20 years was just completely eroded away, smashed to pieces. Something in his storm caused him to cling to Jesus like he'd never clung to Jesus before. And the truth is, the storm comes to produce a need, and the need is Jesus. Now, his story... His, the outcome of that story is beautiful. 
It's one of faith and intimacy. Jesus has become real to him. He's become a friend closer than a brother. And when you speak to this man now, you would not recognize him. He is alive with the Spirit of God living inside him. And it was the storm that brought him to that place. I wonder if we need to shift our thinking and not miss opportunities, see our storms in a different way. Sometimes it's the storm that gets you exactly where God wants you to be. It certainly was the case for the disciples. Do you think they had less faith or more faith in Jesus after that experience? And then finally, the story of Paul, that you, you all know Paul in the Bible. And uh, he was in, in a storm. He was on a boat that got shipwrecked. Uh, it was a storm that lasted for 14 days. And this is what God uses the storm to do. Number one, he used it to reroute Paul. Paul set out in this boat and he thought he was headed for Rome to live under house arrest. That's why he was in the boat. But because of the storm, he ended up not in Rome, but in Malta. Doesn't that sound lovely? It'd be nice to be on a boat and end up in Malta. But it's not where he thought he was headed. What we read is that because of that reroute, he ended up healing the chief official of Malta's father, does that make sense? The chief official's father of Malta. Do you understand what I'm saying there? He ended up healing this man. This was a man who would never have experienced God's healing power if Paul hadn't gone through that storm. Do you see what I'm saying here? I wonder who is on the other side of your storm. We're being rerouted. Sometimes we can't see it. God has purpose rerouting us. We're ending up in places that we didn't think we'd ever end up. And Paul here heals a man who would never normally experience God's healing power. Who is on the other side of your storm? Who is God going to transform because you stayed in the boat with your eyes fixed on Jesus? Amen? The second thing he does is he, use, um, he uses this storm as a witness um, to his goodness and his sovereignty. This was a massive shipwreck. Has anyone ever been in a shipwreck? Didn't think so. This was massive. Try and imagine, everyone was doomed to die. It was a crisis. And Paul, in the middle of it all, a man who has met with Jesus, and being in his presence says, you must eat for your own good for not one hair of your heads will perish. Did you know that your hair might perish? Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and it says, then everyone was encouraged. Wonderful, in the middle of a shipwreck. Suddenly Paul has become like Jesus in the boat. He has become the peace carrier in the middle of a crisis. He says, you don't need to worry. God is taking care of things. Paul has become Jesus in the boat. And I want to say to you this morning, you can also be Jesus in someone else's boat. You are the carrier of Christ now. 
in the storms that other people are going through. What a wonderful opportunity you have as a church to be peace carriers in this time of grief. The way we handle crisis, suffering, pain, the way that people see God demonstrated through that means that we can be peace in other people's storms. Crisis, personal crisis, is an opportunity to bring people to Jesus when we display peace in the chaos. And then the storm becomes not about what happened to you, but what happened through you. You see, once you've survived the storm, you have to find out why you've survived the storm. Who is on the other side of your storm? Mark and I chose to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus invited us in, we said yes. We've had many storms. And sometimes we don't even know exactly what, where the other side is. We don't know, we, we have an idea, but we're open to be rerouted. We expect the possibility of more waves but we know that Jesus is in the boat. This is what we've learned. Number one, Jesus is captain of the boat. What he started, he will finish. Storms don't last, they come and go. We may never know the true cause of our storms and we don't have all the answers, but we don't need all the answers, we just need Jesus. He alone has the authority to speak peace into every circumstance and to calm any storm. And sometimes it's the troubles of life that get us exactly where we're meant to be. It might be a bit scary in the middle of a storm, but there's a promise of peace found in Jesus' presence and there's not a single storm he won't show up in. What did the disciples do to get to the other side of the lake. They did nothing other than cling to Jesus. They stayed in the boat, which may seem like a small and insignificant thing to do, especially if you're a fixer and a doer. But they just stayed in the boat and they clung to Jesus and they let him take them to the other side. I'm a bit unfamiliar with maybe how you might conclude something here at the Vine, but I wonder if, if you would be brave enough to stand if you feel like you're in a storm just now. That could be internal, it could be external, it could be financial, it could be relational. But I wonder if you would stand, be brave enough to stand up in the boat <laughs> if you are in a storm right now. Don't wait for anyone else, just go for it. This is a moment for Jesus' peace to come. And sometimes we think our storms are maybe not that significant. It doesn't matter how small it is. If it's causing worry, if it's causing anxiety, if it's stealing your peace and your joy, then this is a moment to stand.
Holy Spirit, come. The thing about the Spirit of God is that I don't even need to say much. <laughs> we just need to invite him and say, Holy Spirit, come. And he's the one who comes. I wonder if there are people in this room this morning who have experienced victory in this area. They've seen Jesus take them through a storm. I wonder, again, I'm sorry if I'm doing this the wrong way. <laughs> you may have a specific team of people that pray, but if there's someone close to you who's standing and you have faith in this moment because you've been through a storm and you've seen Jesus work, would you stand and pray with them, lay hands on them, pull me off the stage if I'm doing something I shouldn't, but um, yeah. People of God, we, we all have um, permission to pray for one another, don't we? Let's make sure there's not one person here who's not being prayed for. So if there's someone that you see who's not got someone standing with them, then please move. And uh, there's a lady down here. Awesome. So if you just want to lay a hand on their shoulder, you don't even need to say anything. Holy Spirit, come. Just let the Spirit of God come and assure you of His power and His peace. And what he started, he will finish. It may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. Lord, where there's a storm in finances, Lord, would you come? You're the great provider. I just wonder if there's, um, I, just, I got a picture of someone literally holding on to a boat with one finger and it's to do with their very life. They're just pretty on the edge. I believe the Lord this morning wants to just, um, he's reaching out his hand, he's pulling you back into the boat and he's pulling you into his body as he rests on the boat. If that's anyone, maybe you want to raise a hand, we can have someone pray with you or you can come and chat with one of the leadership afterwards.